You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying sane. I'm just here to help you live your best life. Um, If you're new to the podcast, you should know very thoroughly that I am a promoter of wearing masks, social distancing, washing your hands, sanitizing them, and in general, watching out for your neighbor as well as yourself. Life is crazy. It's insane, but we're getting through it. So now that that is out of the way and we're all getting settled in, um, really happy to be here for this week's episode. This is a solo one and uh, <laughs> hopefully worthwhile. I wanted to do something special in light of a really significant day for me and in memory of one of my dearest friends and my first love. This is not the first episode about him as I was sharing um, just my life in real time and what what, what I was experiencing. Um, so yeah, this is definitely about my first love, but I do want to do a disclaimer before anybody goes any further that it is about a friend of mine who passed away um, via suicide. So it's going to get deep. And if you're, if, you, if you've been listening, first of all, y'all know that that's just how I roll. But if you're new and I really want to look out for your mental health and your emotional health and your well-being, if you are in any state to be rocked by that in any way, me talking about um, my friend's passing and the overall theme as as lovely as uh, parts of this was definitely going to be because it's reflections and story time um, there's definitely going to be some hard parts so I really recommend that you step off right now and come back and listen to it maybe at a later time when you're ready but uh, yeah I can't really talk about my first love without no I could but I'm choosing not to um it just doesn't feel right because I'm doing this uh, on an anniversary of his passing. So just my way of commemorating him and honoring his memory, hopefully sharing some some pearls of wisdom that I've learned along the way. But yeah, I really want to look out for my listeners. I do not want you to go into any sort of dark place. So yeah, just there's a lot of other stuff. There's so much other great content on this podcast. Go listen to that. Come back later. So. The way I wanted to (laughs) structure this podcast, I'm like giving you guys my show notes at the top of this. I just really quickly wanted to share the story of what my first love was like, because I think that's cute. And I love hearing about other people's love stories, whether that's their first love or their 20th. I don't care. I love love stories. I love understanding how people met, how they fell for each other even the hardships that they endured, can't get enough of it. So thought I'd just share that and um, just reflections on what I've learned from that experience and from that relationship because it was a doozy in memoriam 
is that the right word? In in memory of of my of my friend and my first love. So here goes. Uh, my first love, his name was Jay, and we met when we were ten years old. And forever and ever and ever, for the entirety of my life, I'll always be really grateful that I was able to have such a cute first love (laughs) forever. It just means a lot to me. We met when we were 10 years old, and we met at church. We went to church in San Jose, California, and uh, we're Bay Area kids. And we, I don't even remember, I don't have a distinct memory of like the day that we met. I just know that upon meeting... I just thought he was the cutest and it was a pretty fast crush on my end and I don't know how it came to be that he liked me back. You'd think that that memory would be like seared into my brain, but I don't remember like the day that we recognized that there was something going on. But as uh, fortune and fate would have it, he liked me back. We were actually in different grades. I was in fifth grade and he was in fourth grade, I think, because we're technically only six months apart. But, you know, I'm a summer baby. He's a winter baby. And he was in the next grade. So, yeah, I I had a thing for the younger men, guys. And um, we just had like a very mutual care for each other. And what started at church I just recall these really beautiful memories of looking forward to church in every single way, every single Sunday. Life was just rainbows and unicorns and sunshine every time I would go to church. And I would, I knew his his uh, family car and there were all these really unique synchronicities about us that I still remember and I still really treasure. Um for example, that we had the same family car. Like we both had Suburbans. We both came from families that like I have my brothers and me. So we have a family of five. He came from a family of six. So, you know, in natural fashion, instead of like the minivan, we had my dad and his dad had Suburbans, like giant SUVs. And his was blue and mine was green. And I remembered uh, there were multiple Suburbans at our church, and I remember even memorizing the the license plate. So I knew if it was his dad's car parked in the lot, I knew if it was him and that that meant upon entering the parking lot that he was at church. It was like that. And I just think that it's so sweet. He wasn't my first crush. He was, (laughs) y'all, I had crushes since like out the womb. It is uh, my poor father. But uh, it was just a really significant one to me. And it was very precious. And um, I don't know. And just this is why I wanted to share this story because there's so much chaos out there right now. And there's a lot of darkness and um, valid darkness. It's not just like flighty stuff. It's not like meaningless stuff. It's all very real. But thinking about memories like that make me happy. They make me just relive all those beautiful moments where like something as small as seeing somebody's car just makes you light up inside. And that's why I think love is so just beautiful and gorgeous and so treasured by everybody. It's like one of the universal things that really connect all of us. We relate to each other because we get how much seeing someone's car and being like, 
he's here. Like having that recognition, we know what that feels like, you know? So um, yeah, every church Sunday was like Christmas, you know what I mean? And just seeing him, seeing Jay uh, was was my happiness. He was the oldest of, of four and um, shy, dimples. He always had a baseball hat on. And girl, I was just, I was in love. I have a thing for shyer guys. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm so alpha and loud. I wasn't that alpha and loud when I was a kid. I kind of had like a tomboy thing going on and I was pretty social. But in my insides, I felt like a shy, awkward person. Maybe that's not accurate as to like what was shown outwardly, but that's how I felt. But um, in terms of the guys that I liked... I mean, I liked a lot of different kinds of guys. I was attracted to the alpha male dudes too. But I really, uh, total soft spot, totally smitten by like cute shy guys. It just kills me. <laughs> it just destroys me. Like they're they're just so cute. Like being not so loud and and, you know, throwing their weight around and everything. And Jay fit that to a T. He was super shy. But he also was very clear. Like, I knew that he liked me. And there was something very, like, laser about our connection. And even as somebody in my 30s, I can look back, and I say this to my friends, that something I really treasure about that relationship was that I can say with certainty that as fifth graders, fifth and fourth grader, and then sixth and fifth grader, like, we were legit in love. It was um, just a very reciprocated connection and somehow I don't know when anything was confessed but I do remember that we used to call each other all the time this is when we had landlines and he didn't live that far away from me and his mom would pick up the phone and I would be so scared I was terrified she's a wonderful strong woman but you know somebody's calling her 10 year old son on the phone <laughs> a little girl and apparently, I found this out later, Jay was a little pimp. Like, he had multiple girls from, from church calling him. So I think that added to his—not I think. I know that that added to his mom's, like, protective nature. But anyway, uh, I won because he loved me. And eventually that went from, like, phone calls. I don't know what we talked about. I'm pretty sure we talked about homework and our families. It was very, very pure and very innocent. Um, we went on church retreats together. That was like some of my favorite memories in my entire life. We went to a church retreat when I think I was 11, he was 10, and I actually uh, injured myself. I rolled my ankle really, really badly. And it was when we were just, it wasn't just him and me, it was with our friends. And, um, you know, I fell and I crumbled on the floor and it hurt so bad. I remember the pain and um, being all dirty and uh, in the middle of the woods and just sobbing. It hurt so bad. And he stayed with me. And um, he was like checking in on me and making sure that I was okay. He was so concerned. And then our, our friend and him got a, a chair with wheels and they put me on it. And the two of them pushed me around in the dirt and like onto the path at this uh, church retreat site, a campground. And I remember that memory very distinctly. And it was really beautiful, like how much it just, how quickly it turned from a, such an embarrassing and painful moment to just being so happy. And that's the kind of feeling that love and 
being in love or liking somebody and having them care for you back can do. It's like this miracle and this healing power that um, to this day, you know, and all the different ways that I've experienced it is so precious and beautiful to me. Um, that same trip, Jay was, again, the shy sweet little nerdy dude. And uh, he had asthma. And he actually had an asthma attack when we were in a swimming pool. Like a lot of church members were all like taking a dip. It was in the middle of the summer. He had an asthma attack. And um, I remember that distinctly because that was my turn. Like I was so worried about him. And I was that feeling of like, I, I needed to do whatever I could to like protect him and figure out which adult to get. Do I call an ambulance? I mean, I was 10 or 11 years old, but I was just really, really concerned. And I remember staying with him. I sat by his side and I was worried about his breathing. And um, it's crazy how like in just that one weekend or whatever that we had two, you know, health issues and injuries and um, just were there for each other. So this, there's so much to our story, but I just, those are really sacred memories of mine where um, just the phone calls, being there for each other, being a source of joy and happiness and something that I genuinely look forward to. Um, It was very innocent. It was very, very, very pure. And just all I wanted to do was be near him and or know that he was thinking about me. I don't know what letters we wrote, uh, but we wrote each other letters. And, you know, that that was my first love. It was just lovely. Go to Taco Bell next to church every Sunday. It was the best. And um, the older I get, you know, there's all these moments of recognition about what are the things that made life feel like it was worthwhile. And I can say without hesitation, all those really beautiful times in my life where I've been in love and where I've felt that that flutter, the butterflies in my stomach. It's just, there's nothing like it. And so he's always been somebody really, really important to me. What happened um, between us, he was the first guy to ever hold my hand. Uh, Crazy story. This is where like things are really cosmic with this person in my life. Um, We, just the synchronicities. This is where it gets, it gets, kind of crazy. And um, this is just my life. And I've accepted it since a young age. I lived in his old house. So as a church member, he came over to our house when we had like a church gathering afterwards. You know, I think it was my little brother's birthday. And my mom just invited all these different families over to enjoy cake and all eat together, have a potluck, which happened a lot. And he came over, of course, inside. I was freaking the hell out. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, Jay's at my house. What is life? I don't know what to do. Do I smell? Is there like an ugly sock? Like, what have I done? Is my room perfect? Freaking out. But I remember that nervousness and just being so happy that he was there. I was like, he's at my house. Oh my God. I still feel that way if I'm like dating somebody now as an adult and like, oh my God, they're at my house. I can't believe it. Um, It never goes away, you know? And uh, he was at my house and he recognized the house and we were kids, right? We're like 10, 11 years old. And he literally, he went up to his mom and was like, mom, do we live here? Like he had, (laughs) we went through this discovery process. Yeah. Long story short, I lived in his old house. He, at one point, 
Two families before I moved in that house on Blaney Avenue in Cupertino, California, he lived in that house. And he had moved to where he, when he left that house, he moved to a house on Rainbow Drive in San Jose. I knew that because I used to live on Rainbow Drive. So we literally switched streets as children. That stuff like that, like synchronicities, like that have followed me my entire life. But that was one of the major ones in my life that was very early on. And that shook me. Because who does that? Like, you know, at that time, like the love of my life lived in my house. I'm living in his old house. Like what is, what, what's happening? And now he lives on my old street. What's happening? So that was that. And uh, we went for a walk and he just wanted to like see his old neighborhood again. So we had all the kids out with us, um, our younger siblings and you know, some other kids that came from the other families. And it was on that day, on that walk, where we were taking a stroll around the neighborhood, you know, to take the kids out and just let them get some air. We walked side by side. I had his little sister on my back and uh, he reached out and he held my hand. He held my hand and he was the first boy to ever hold my hand. And yeah, I think it might have been my little brother's birthday is in August. So if it was his birthday, it would have been around now, all those years ago. And I, you know, for so many things, like it just meant a lot. It meant so much. He moved away to Texas uh, when we were 12. And that changed a lot of things for us all. You know, we had both already moved on and, you know, we're liking people in middle school. And he moved to Austin and it devastated me because even though we're like going to separate schools and living our respective lives, I think we always had that that soft space for each other, a soft spot. And um, in a way, we lost touch. I reunited with him because my aunt lives in Austin and she's friends with his mom. So I visited her when I was 13 and I got to reunite with him. And so the thing with Jay was that we always had like a soft spot for each other. I treasured him very deeply. And that's the story of like the very beginnings of our relationship. And it goes on for much longer because we remain friends. Ever since I met him, since I was 10, he was one of the most dear friends of mine. Somebody that I felt knew me, like knew my essence, right? And kind of watched me grow up. And there's something very beautiful about the fact that we stayed in touch. Um, when we were young, that was like the very beginnings of AOL, totally dating myself. But it wasn't as easy as it is now to just keep in touch with somebody. There was a lot of effort um, to send emails and to call on landlines and be charged, literally be charged per minute that you're speaking to somebody. But we somehow managed to stay in touch. Um, he struggled a lot once he got to Texas. I mean, when you move and you're in middle school and he was a young Korean American guy moving to the middle of a very rich part of Texas in Austin, being around a lot of rich white kids, as he told me, feeling very out of place, um, being bullied to a degree, just having to feel very kind of hostile and protective of himself. It was really a hard move for him. I went through a hard move when I was in eighth grade from Cupertino to Pleasanton. And at that time, it's only a 40-minute drive, but it felt like a different universe. And I was very much coming into awareness of my own otherness and being an Asian-American girl in a very, very predominantly white, 
middle, middle upper class white town. Um, and I think we both coped with it differently. And I don't know what to credit that, whether it's because, you know, I'm a girl and he's a guy and it's just kind of that freedom that we have to be emotional creatures. I think he had a generally tougher time. And we both went through our crazy adolescences. If you guys have been following along on the podcast, it is known about my story that I dealt with a really very terrible uh, abusive relationship for five years that I got into when I was 14, that I exited, you know, survived and um, got out when I was 19. And during that time, you know, we were separate in our respective states, living our lives. And um, he was actually one of the very few people that I kept in touch with. My ex at the time was a lot older than me, very verbally, mentally, sexually abusive of me, um, succeeded in me cutting off most of my friends. And he was very methodically, very thorough about making me cut off relationships with pretty much everyone around me, making me super paranoid, um, just being super jealous, super controlling. And I listened to it, I'd say about 98%. I was still sneaky in my own ways. I was very, I'm a very crafty person, you guys. I'm very stubborn and um, willful. So I did, you know, sneak some things by my ex, but largely I listened to him. I was pretty obedient, which makes me, you know, feel all kinds of things when I think about it. But Jay, actually, I kept in touch with. And I kind of... uh just maintain this lifeline. And that's also another reason why he meant so much to me is that he was there for me, A, because I let him, but also B, because he cared so much and was really concerned about what I was going through. Of course, I didn't tell him everything I was going through, um, but he basically was kind of like a lifeline for me. And we both went our ways and we had our totally, just simply put, we had our totally fucked up adolescences. He uh, was, you know, the bad kid getting in fights, smoking weed, drinking, smoking cigarettes. I was really worried about him, et cetera, et cetera. And like that kind of colored a lot of our relationship. Fast forward, I mean, there's just so much to cover, but I want to keep it as brief as possible. But just to contextualize, you know, we were there for each other through a lot. And Jay was depressed and he had shared that with me as a teenager. I didn't know what to do with that. I was dealing with my own depression at the time. I don't know to what degree um, it was, you know, genetic or just like a clinical depression. I was depressed largely influenced by my circumstances and um, being in that abusive relationship at one point when I was at the early part of my college years, I was very suicidal. Um, it had just gotten and spiraled so bad that I just didn't see a way out. I wanted it to end and I believed that it could end, but I believed also if it did end, I would be just as miserable as if I was in it. And that's a very scary place to be is that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I definitely felt that. And so I remember what it was like for me when I was depressed. And it was for a very specific time period in my life. And I think after I was able to survive and escape that that abusive relationship, I was able to kind of recover myself. And um, I'm very thankful for that. I'm very fortunate that, you know, for a lot of different reasons, whether it's just 
my particular chemistry or my personality and definitely my support system and all the different things at my disposal, I was able to get out of that and survive it in a fairly healthy manner. There's other things that we can talk about that we'll continue to talk about on this podcast. But I genuinely look back on that time like I got out of that pretty unscathed. In in the grand scheme, like I was able to have relationships. I was able to move forward and be happy. And um, with Jay, he he definitely had his depression and I didn't know how to be there for him. And I did my the best that I could as a teenager and then as a 20-something year old. And that relationship continued, you know, into adulthood. And uh, Jay had a tendency to just disappear. He would vanish out of my life and that became kind of a regular thing. And that really... Um, now as an adult, I can see like what that did to me and why that happened. But at the time, it was just something very, very difficult that I had to struggle through. And again, I put like a special corner in my my psyche and in my heart just for him that like you could not touch. I kind of categorized him like this is my one of my best friends and he's my first love. And there's Come hell or high water, there's no way I'm going to ever betray him. I will be there for him no matter what. It was like this self-appointed guardian situation. And like, I don't know. It was just like this, this quote unquote unconditional love, right? So that's just the way that I considered him. We had both been dating other people. It's not like I was, you know, quote unquote in love with him. It wasn't that I was planning to marry him. But I think at certain points in my 20s, I kind of just believed, you know, if we were supposed to end up together, that we would end up together. And I think a lot of times when things didn't work out with like said boyfriend at that time, there was part of me that felt a level of security that like I knew he would always care about me. And it's very strange and there's so many layers and it's hard to explain. And hopefully, you know, I can continue to unpack that in other ways throughout all these podcast discussions that I'll have um, and potentially an offshoot segment that I want to start as well, specifically on just relationships and love. But that's the dynamic between him and me. And it was a very runner chaser situation. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of desperation. There was a lot of crying. There was a lot of accusations. Like I would call him and just be like, why do you hate me? Like, what did I do wrong? I would leave him voicemails. And like, when I think back on that, it makes me a bit sad. Um, But I've also forgiven that. So it's okay. But just to fill you all in, it was was a really confusing time. And I was definitely, you know, again, I got out unscathed, but I had issues. Like I had just gotten out of like a five-year massively abusive relationship. I was wounded and traumatized in so many ways, but learning how to cope with all of that on my own. I didn't seek professional help. I was so lucky to have an older brother and such amazing friends to like be there for me. But, you know, I would say, you know, there's a lot of examples over time how I would be self-sabotaging, how I would be in very codependent relationships, even literally up till now. Um, And Jay was kind of part of that dynamic. But the way that I viewed him in my mind was a very specific view. Like he is kind of like an untouchable entity in my life. He's basically family. And I don't care if I ever, like, if, I don't care if I don't talk to him for five to 10 years. Like he's still that important to me. That's how I um, just 
put him in his special place like that. So we had that whole dynamic. And then I reached a very dramatic tipping point, I believe, when I was 25. Somewhere in my mid to later 20s. Super drama queen. Because I was heartbroken over probably some other um, situation. And I just had enough. And I was sick of him being silent to me. And it's also, I need to give a shout out to my friend slash, you know, dear human in my life, Tim. He actually, we had a thing. (laughs) Guys are getting a whole scoop. We had a thing going on. We were long distance. And Tim and I, we like had a connection since elementary school too. I don't know. These people just tend to like cycle back into my life. I don't know what it was. But Tim was somebody, somebody really important to me. And he actually was... We were, you know, into each other and Tim loved me very deeply, knew how much Jay hurt me. So Tim actually told me, he's like, just go fucking find him. Go hit him up. Go fly out to him. Do whatever you need to do. This is like what K-dramas do, you guys. Um, But because of this, me pouring out my heart to Tim, who was like in love with me at the time, but really wanted me to get closure on this and find peace. I thank you very much, Tim, for doing that. Um... I I did my Hail Mary. I bought a ticket to Austin. I booked a hotel. I booked a rental car. And then I emailed Jay, wrote a freaking essay, which was not the first one, but I wrote this whole declaration of like, look, it's been like this back and forth, tough situation between you and me. I know that you struggled. I struggled. But I just don't know what the hell this is. You ignore me. You run away. I'm I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. But either way, I want closure on this. So I'm going to fly my ass out to Austin. If you want to see me, this is where I'm staying. Come talk to me. If not, you know what? I'll be there. I'll go sit by the lake or something. And then I'll bounce. And I'll know that I have done everything I could to resolve this between you and me. Ten minutes later. This is after like a year and a half of silence of me leaving voicemails, what like, you know, these desperate pleas for attention. 10 minutes later, got a response. 10 minutes after a year and a half. <laughs> so my God, um, I'm not encouraging this. I'm just sharing what it was. It was very dramatic. And uh, he emailed me back. He's like, oh my God, I'm actually going to come out to California, XYZ, da, da, da. Long story short, he didn't come out to California, but I went to Texas and we met up. And for four days, I think it was four days or five days, it was it was a very beautiful, real life, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. Simply put, it was like a dream come true at the time. I got to be Jay's girlfriend, like for real, as an adult, as an adult um for like I think it was five days four or five days and uh it was it was very comfortable it felt natural even though we hadn't spent that much time face to face other than skyping which we we would always do on and off whenever we did reconnect as young adults we'd always like skype and talk and for hours and hours or just like we would actually just sit and read books on skype we would just do that. That's what the internet provided. So it was, but it was interesting. It's different than when you're long distance and when you get to actually be by some someone's side physically and hold their hand and hug them and um, and kiss them and all this stuff. And we got to have kind of just like 
this half week of being a couple. Um, and it was strange because after that, I came back to California and life resumed and we were not a couple after I got back. We kind of just, we were both single at the time. We did not resume any coupledom and neither, we didn't even attempt it. And there was some, we always had kind of an understanding between us is that like, you know what? I care about you no matter what. Like, I don't need a title. I don't need you to like propose or whatever. And that's what felt so um, beautiful to me after that trip. I felt like I had gotten the resolution that I sought and he made no attempt or did not communicate any sort of like, okay, so now you're my girlfriend and all this stuff. It was more just like, I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. I'll see you around. Not I'll see you around, but it's like, I will see you. I'll see you soon. And so it was really um, perhaps naive in the grand scheme of things, but we just parted and stayed in touch again. Like, again, we'd have this on and off communication. We stayed in touch. We kept talking, kept texting, G-chat, um, tons and tons. And like, I felt like we were going to be okay. And after all of this up and down, that's all I really wanted was for him to be okay. I just wanted him to be safe and and not fighting somebody or worried about some drug deal or getting drunk and getting hurt and getting arrested and whatever. And um, yeah, shortly thereafter, he disappeared again. And it just continued. And then, so fast forward even further, the last few years, um, in my 30s, we were able to spend time um, because we got back in touch and it was more consistent and he was doing a bit better. He was managing his depression, according to what he told me. And um, I was going out to South by Southwest every year. So each time I was in Austin, I actually got to see him and hang out with him. And so it became actually more of a regular friendship. And it was really nice because we had grown up and we had gone through so much together. We had talked about really hard things. He had shared a lot about his family life, about the things he struggled with internally. Uh, um, we always leaned on each other as as true friends, honestly, like really wanting the best for each other. And I really appreciated that because it was this kind of, at certain points, really tumultuous, but then at the end of it, very graceful and respectful disassociation of that romantic expectation. And it just became like a really genuine friendship. And I really wanted him to be happy. He was dating somebody, um, this really lovely woman. She had a daughter. Like he would talk to me about it, like how he felt like he he didn't know if he was ready to be a stepdad, but he really loved her daughter. And like, we would talk through these things and it was respectful and it was nice and it was trusting. And it was like everything I had ever really wanted with him was, which was for us to be okay. And, um, I credited him for helping me get through some of the hardest things in my life and just being kind of like a constant, like somebody that I could, I could know deep down, not think, but know deep down, cared about me, was rooting for me, believed in me. And in that way, I equated him basically the same way, like, I knew that my brother believed in me. My brother is one of my best friends, and he would always cheer me on and always, like, reason with me if I was doubting myself, if I was feeling lost, you know, we'd have some stupid inside joke that would ground me and kind of bring me back to earth and remember who I was, and that if everything was going to shit, I still had these entities. And I feel so lucky for that because it's not just Jay and it's not just my brother. It's also a few girlfriends of mine that I I too feel that same way with. And that's why I think we can put such weight on these firsts 
and how we can value like best friends in a certain way because they see us through so many different versions of ourselves. They see the good, the bad, the ugly. They know how ugly we can be. And yet they still come around. They still want to kick it with us. They still want it. They still see the good in us. And that's something so beautiful and precious. And that's really what Jay always meant to me, you know, and he had that special, you know, uh, label of being my first love. And I always kept that in high regard. And I, and I still to this day will always treasure it. You don't get two first, you know, he was my first. And for somebody that was my first to remain so significant in my life, I just felt like one of the luckiest girls alive. Like I know for a fact, especially as an adult, that not everybody gets to experience that. And not everybody gets to experience that at such a young age in such a pure and beautiful way. And then have that to take with them for the rest of their life. Um, so it was, suffice it to say, really hard. Uh, two years ago, when Jay's depression and everything that was going on with him caught up. And it, it sucks to remember what this time was. It was two years ago. The last conversations we had that I didn't know were going to be the last. How much he was struggling physically. Um, the kinds of questions he was asking me were were, were giving me an inkling. And I had seen him through so many different versions of himself and his struggle and his depression and the substances and things that he would turn to to like feel better. All the moving that he did, all the relationships. And um, I was scared. I was really scared on the inside that it was that 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 uh, fight that he had left was diminishing. And at the time, I was going through a hell of a lot of my own drama I was struggling in my own right, in my career, in my relationship, um, figuring out who I was. I was getting triggered. There was something very significant that was happening in both of our lives. But um, remembering that he was reaching out and asking, like, how do you find purpose in life? How do you feel motivated? Because that's what he looked to me for, that I was um, symbolically like a source of so much inspiration to him and fire and positivity and I really felt happy to be that and I felt like his belief in me stoked my own belief in me and if I could be the things that I wanted to be which was a positive go-getting kind of person that could make a difference that could live and pursue my dreams um, that it could bring him out of his darkness and whoever else I cared for you know the whole world I, I do want the whole world to come out of darkness. And and he especially meant something to me for so long in my life. Um, I not only looked at it as like an opportunity, but I looked at it as my obligation and my responsibility as a friend to be there for him, to be a light. Um, it was my wish and my desire. He wasn't the only person, but he was definitely one of the significant people in my life that I wanted to do that for because he had given that to me. Um, in a lot of my dark times. So the reality is that um, Jay decided to leave. I didn't find out about it until a couple months later. 
because they kept it a secret for a while. I think they were just, you know, I had my judgments when I first found out that it was kept a secret, but I also understand now a lot more that nobody knows how to deal with that. And so everyone's grieving process is, you know, it's their grieving process. And because I have so much love for his family, um, I don't hold it against them. At the time, I was livid. I was so upset. Like, why wasn't I informed until October when he had passed in August? And then going through the process of how he took his life, how I found out about it, which I thought about sharing, but I don't think I'm ready yet. It was all of those things were really, really traumatizing for me. So it's been two years of a lot of processing and a lot of healing. And I've been very lucky enough to um, be connected with his family and to have had such a great support system around me to catch me because I was destroyed. It's terrible when anybody takes their life. It is devastating because you think about all the potential. You think about all the things that, not only that they were, because that's all there, but it's also like all the plans you had imagining what the future was going to look like with that person there. And um, I've I've dealt with, with death in my life in other ways, um, but in other forms. And I do think that, you know, suicide is just a very unique experience and it's a lot to unpack and deal with. For me, the significance that Jay had in my life, not that many people knew about. People who were close to me knew that he was important to me. But I think there was so much between him and me that it was hard and exhausting for me to explain. And also, like, it just wore me out trying to comprehend our confusing, codependent, like, turbulent, toxic. (laughs) I admit it was toxic. It was just, like, this tie and bond that we had that... Um, kept us so like energetically and like spiritually and emotionally embedded in each other's lives, even though we didn't like looking at the data, we didn't talk that much, but we just meant a lot to each other. And that was so difficult for me to, to articulate or verbalize and also have other people understand. And it was difficult for me to explain who Jay was to like boyfriends too, because there was definitely jealousy there because people could just, guys would in, instinctually know that this dude meant so much to me. And there's like, again, he did, we didn't have to be together, but he was just really important. And I think um, for any partner, that's really a lot to take, right? To feel threatened in in, in a way. And it makes sense. Like, I I get it. But I was also very defensive and protective of that relationship. So, again, it was very layered. And, um, yeah, thinking about it, I don't know how else. How I, I just. It sadly didn't surprise me. That's the part that hurt so much that it ended that way. And that's, it is what it is. It didn't surprise me, but it, it hurt a lot and it still hurts. And I think it'll hurt forever. 
And I think I've, again, been very fortunate to have had the support system, including my hypnotherapist, Pennyway, and to seek therapy and to talk with my boyfriend at the time, to talk with my brother, to talk with my parents, to have the support of my girlfriends who knew. Some of my best girlfriends, you know, we've been friends since like fourth in seventh grade, they know, they knew very thoroughly how much, instinctually they knew how much Jay meant to me. They knew that it was like this lifelong struggle that I'd been going through for like literally more than two decades, you know? So uh, suffice it to say, it's been, it's been a lot. And in that, I've learned a lot about myself, about grief, about love, about friendship, about depression, about reality. And there's certain things I wanted to just reflect on because COVID, (laughs) to bring it back to present day, coronavirus is like a weird thing. In certain ways, I felt like I was prepared by it, prepared for it by certain things in my life, certain traumas. For example, the fact that I was in an abusive relationship and very heavily controlled and isolated from others for some weird reason like it just makes it sense like what's been happening with quarantine and isolation I felt like to a degree I was prepared for it because I'd been I had dealt with it for five straight years of basically being in this invisible prison not being allowed to talk to people not being able to go to dances not being able to go to do xyz in that way it's just like life can give you these strange lessons that you can take forward with you. And right now, I think there is definitely this existential crisis slash spiritual awakening slash just like meta awakening that we're all going through about how precious life really is, how we have been valuing it, how we have been misvaluing it, undervaluing it, misprioritizing, and the things that really do actually matter. And because of that, I'm just recognizing more and more on top of all these other life experiences, like losing my first love and one of my best friends before I was ready, right? Before no one was ready for that, that we don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. And if there's anything that we're realizing right now is that like how important time is and that life is is very precious. So in light of all that, I just like, I'm like, what, 40 minutes into this podcast, but explaining like why I wanted to share this story. I think the love stories that I've heard have given me a lot of hope and a lot of comfort in a lot of different ways, whether they're happy love stories or sad love stories. It made me feel like I was connected to somebody and I was understood. I wanted to share this because Jay lived a lot of his life in darkness, but to me, he was one of the brightest lights that I knew. And he gave me so much light. And I, just in case, right, to be very dramatic about it, because that's why I am, I embrace it. If I were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't want people to not know about him. I wouldn't want people to understand what an impact this person who hid himself away who ran away from so many things, who struggled so deeply and had so many problems, was such a beautiful being in my life. His darkness does not define him. His his choices, like what he did, how he went about his life, 
they all happen. And I'm very much accepting and realizing a lot of things I did not know about my own quote unquote best friend, right? But I still knew a lot of who he really was. I knew his heart. That's why I stood by his side, you know, aside from the codependency. I genuinely just appreciate who he was as a person. He wanted to be a writer. He was an extraordinary writer. He was a very gifted musician. One of the easily like just such a naturally talented guitarist. He had such a ear for music and appreciation and this very particular melancholy that just like went through everything that he wrote and and made. But it was so honest and true and beautiful and pure. And I'll always remember that about him. And again, coming back to the fact that like, if somebody were to take my podcast as my anthology, because I've made it so, I've shared my life through this this medium. If there's anything I can relay truthfully about myself, it includes this part of me because he influenced so much of my life. I looked back on some of our G chats over the last couple of years just to like, quote unquote, hear his voice again and like remember things and just remember what we talked about. And I realized um, he was one of the, he was one of the key people to convince me to um, become collaboration director. I found a conversation where I was freaking out. This is a collaboration in San Francisco. And uh, I was, I was shot. I was flinching. I was, re- I remembered it reading that conversation. That I was really ready not to do it. And he was that final nudge. He's like, are you out of your mind? You can do it. If there's anybody who can do it, you can do it. And I believed him believing in me. And he he pushed me that last two centimeters across the finish line. And I took the role because he believed in me. And that changed my life. Collaboration changed my life 1,000%. Everyone who knows me knows it. And he was one of the people that helped me get there. Um, so for that reason, so many others, you know, I've, I do treasure him. and And the lessons that I... We'll reflect on in terms of lessons from my first love and from this relationship, this friendship. I've already partially said, but one, that life is very fragile. Um, Everybody copes and deals with their tough times in life in different ways. And there's so many different ways that we can reflect back and see like where if things had been different by one degree, it would have taken such a different turn in life, right? In the long run life is very fragile and the smallest things can make a big difference and so I credit like these conversations um these hugs these moments of realization like they they can really change our lives and that we never know what small thing can make or break somebody we don't know what someone else is going through and also on the flip side as much as life is very fragile and like Again, one degree can change everything. We're also incredibly tough. Like people are so resilient. And when we're motivated by love, when we're motivated by wanting the best for others and best for ourselves, I have seen that not just with this person, but with every person dear to me, how it can be a freaking miracle, how it can be like the mom that lifts a truck off of her child it give us it gives us so much 
power and adrenaline to overcome the most absurd and most difficult challenges in life. Um, and so it, it, it's, it behooves us to like verbalize those things, to say I love you because it's fragile and because love is powerful. We got to say it. You, it's so terrifying because it's like the most vulnerable part of you. But the thing I'll take away from my first love is like, I am so grateful that 10-year-old me was motivated and had the guts to openly like Jay. I'm glad that I got over my awkwardness and my shyness and that I was able to be brave enough to be vulnerable and to receive that back. It's a beautiful thing. So life is fragile and we're tough. We can we can get through things. Verbalize your love. Um, and I and another lesson too is that it's love is a miracle. <laughs> I've met so many people in my life and I've been in love with multiple people. My I'm very grateful for that. Um, but out of like all the different people I've ever crossed paths with, when you think about it, like the chances of Loving somebody and finding somebody that you're just that inspired by and that moved by, it is a miracle. They don't happen every day. It doesn't just, it doesn't grow on trees, you know? So it's something to really treasure. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Love's a miracle. It all senses. Um, love is a gateway to truth. This love that I had with Jay as a child and the the prolonged love that I carried for him in my heart, even till now, has been a gateway, has been a catalyst for me understanding a lot of truths. Some that are beautiful and miraculous and lovely and empowering and inspiring, and also some that are really, really ugly. Um, I think because of his significance to me, I don't know how much I would have learned certain lessons if it wasn't him. And I say that about my exes too, you know, and about my family. Like there are certain gateways and certain doors that are open only because you care that much about that other person, right? Um, Like I get upset if somebody threatens a life in general, but if they threaten the life or the well-being of somebody I am genuinely connected to and attached to, be careful because like all health breaks loose. You know, it's just a different the stakes are way higher, right? And because of the pain that I went through time and time again with Jay, I mean, Jay was like, honestly, like a very difficult relationship as much as he meant to me and how much I like gush about how beautiful a person he was. It was incredibly painful and it was cyclical and repetitive. And I can, I'm so grateful that I've had therapists and friends be able to help me process all of that and see patterns and understand that we had a lot of like toxic connections where we couldn't let go of each other and that we were very attached in like this very tough way that needed to be disassociated. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. As tough as that is, it's like a bitter pill to swallow. Like, Wow, we were just extremely codependent. And what I called love at the time was not necessarily love. It was just like extreme attachment. Um, 
But then that's helping me understand what love really is, right? So it's tough. I don't know what, like, what will qualify as what. In general, I can say with a lot of certainty and a lot of faith, like, I loved him. I love him. Um, not necessarily the way that we ended up being. It was not like a romantic love. But it taught me how to distinguish love and how to know what was real. And now as an adult, what was not healthy. And I'm very grateful for all of it because those are important things to learn. I also learned with love that love can, uh, in its in its unhealthy form, and it's in immature form, can blind us and keep us from seeing what's really there, and shield us, like be a barrier kind of to the truth. There are things about Jay that I think I was really scared to acknowledge, like the level of the unhealthiness, the things that I knew were lurking beneath the surface that I didn't want to ask. And I have learned how to forgive myself for that. I don't think I was equipped or able to because I felt a tremendous amount of guilt and shame for not being a better friend to him and not um, helping him get through that, wondering how I could have saved him from this, this conclusion and this, the way that he he ended his life, because I would have loved for him to have like enjoyed a full life with me as a friend and with his family, with you know his future wife and babies. It would have been great. But I also had to learn like his life is his life, and I did influence it, and that was very wonderful for me to re- accept and acknowledge. But I also had a lot of blinders on to things that I just didn't want to see, and I also learned a lot because I had withheld myself from asking a lot of questions and investigating and not seeing past what I wanted to kind of keep as my image of him, that um, he had a lot of addictions and he had a lot of troubling behaviors that I didn't know about, that I found out after he was gone. And again, that's taken a long time for me to process and I'm still processing it, but I think I have a better understanding that there are things that I just didn't know because he kept them from me. There are things that I didn't know because I didn't want to ask and I didn't want to know. And also each person's trajectory in life is influenced by so many other factors that it was way too much for me to hold myself responsible in such a significant way. I still really wish I had reached out to him. The fact that he had died and two months later had two months had gone by where I didn't reach out to him and check on him. There was a lot happening in my personal life that I actually like withheld from talking to him. Um but yeah, those are things that I wish I had done. And I'm no longer kicking my own butt for that anymore. But still it's a lesson that I learned. I would have loved to have been a friend and like followed up. But also just to know and accept he was on a very specific path for a really long time. So again, I'm not here to advise anybody. Everything is so, it can be very complicated. It can also be very simple. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm just sharing my my two cents. But what I do know out of that is love comes in a lot of different forms. And um, our concepts of love can be very misleading at times. But hopefully, the more that we grow and mature and become wiser through life experience, through self-discovery, through meditation, through prayer, through spirituality, through 
heartbreak and through joy that we can see things clear and then learn how to continuously apply them. I think that's the best that we can all do. But yeah, I mean, in conclusion, like a lot of things that we can label as love can also not be that, right? Um, and the other thing that I learned finally through through my first love was how to love myself. At the end of the day, the things that I appreciate so much about what he did for me and what he represented and what um, I was able to to have in my life as a result of knowing him, him and other people, but including him, was how to love myself. And still learning that, still applying those lessons. And I'm just becoming a better version of me. And I'm really, really grateful. And I do credit Jay for being a significant part of that. He is one of the many people that I've been lucky enough to have teach me such important things through loving him, through going through pain, through becoming his friend, through letting go of expectations, um, through having a mirror held up to myself and understanding that what I was seeking from him and from other guys and from friendships and from my job and from all these other signifiers, all these other validations, like I I needed to give that to myself. And so that significance that that love and that friendship had on this journey has led me here. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for how much it's expanded my wonder and my appreciation of the world of time, um, of family, of friendships, about people who stood by my side through some of the toughest times in my life, not just him, but all these other people, and how in its purest form, I do believe love conquers all. And yeah, that's most of some of what I've learned from my first love. And I hope that in these dark times, we can still hold on to love. Whether that's romantic, whether that's family, whether that's friendship, and especially from ourselves. Because I think personally, for me, my big aha moment in life is like, love has to start within. And that might be the most cliche thing you've ever heard for like the eighth zillionth time from like this monk and that philosopher and that self-help book and that podcaster, whatever. It's true though. The sky is blue and love starts within, (laughs) you know, that's how it comes down to. I think we go through all of these experiences just to get to that component, learn that lesson and to keep watering that garden because that's that's the garden that needs to be watered i'm no longer seeking it from outside i want to enjoy it if it comes from the outside by all means i'm receiving love but i'm understanding it starts from within that is a lot of work easier said than done but we can do it and it's practice it's forgiveness it's grace it's hope it's having faith it's surrendering um it's being vulnerable, you know, it's it's having fun, it's imagination, it's joy, it's so many things. 
Love comes in so many different forms. And everything around us continues to teach it to us if we let it. So, I'm thinking of you, Jay. I love you very much. I I don't know about afterlife stuff anymore. But he's he's made his presence known in my life. I it's it's kind of freaked me out, guys. The freakouts have continued. He's really mm, I'll say that for another episode. It's already been, you know, meaningful enough. But he's shown up in my life after he he's been gone. Which some people might be freaked out at. It did freak me out for a second, but I'm just like, yo, I got I got a hello from my friend in the afterlife. <laughs> I Again, I don't know what format it exists in, but I just yeah, he's he, I'm thankful and I think he's I think he's okay. And I'm taking care of his Jay, just letting you know, I'm taking care of your family as much as I can. And and love to Jay's family too because I asked their permission like if I could speak openly about it. It's been tough for a lot of people. And I know that I'm not the only one that's dealt with this. And it's not to exploit that. It's really just to share it and hopefully be a reminder to people about the preciousness of life, to be a place of comfort for anybody who's dealt with grief and loss, and to remind people like there's darkness and there's also light. Um, let's We can acknowledge both and hopefully stay with the light. Keep the light. Keep the love. That's what makes all of this worth it. You know? So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing space with me. Letting me be vulnerable. Letting me share this story. If I live long enough, I'll make a movie. <laughs> there's there's tons of stories I want to tell. He's definitely one of them. Inspired by these experiences. And um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't, again, tomorrow's not guaranteed. But if I can, I would love to share more of these stories and actually like show people how it was and make something cute and funny and meaningful. And yeah, that's it for this episode. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. So check out some of the other shows. And thank you to Marvin Yui, my audio engineer producer, so much for just being a friend and helping me keep this podcast alive. Um. I'm going to, Travis, I'm doing a shout out. I love the song that you, that you made. And we're going to do the intro and outro to set free. So thank you to Travis for letting me use this song. And uh, yeah, you can find First of All Podcast on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, everywhere you can find the podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed this. This meant a lot to me to share with all of you. And uh yeah, if it's something that could help somebody, and please be careful again because it's talking about something sensitive. Uh, please share it with a friend if it can help somebody. And subscribe and like, you guys. I'm ready to take on the world. Let people know about this podcast. The subscribing and the liking helps it reach more people. You can follow me on uh, Instagram at First of All Pod. My personal page is at Minjeezy. You can become a Patreon patron, patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And um, we have our Google Hangouts and I send stickers and all that stuff. I have my merch. It feels very weird to be like talking about merch at the end of this kind of an episode. But you know what? 
this is what Jay would have wanted. I'm just keeping it real. He believed in me 100% as a creative and an entrepreneur, all the things. So I'm going to honor myself and I'm going to honor my friendship with him. I'm taking the world on. It's a new moon in Leo, if you didn't know. It's good to finally like be myself <laughs> openly. But yeah, that's it for this episode. I love all of you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Be well, love yourself, take care of yourself, take care of others. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Kathy, Kim! Steve? What's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So... Are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean drama podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja! Am I going to see sauna towel buns?